Well, I hope you have a good time during the Lunar New Year period uh, visiting friends. Uh, some of the most common questions you all encounter will be, uh, uh, any boyfriend? Any girlfriend? Are you getting married? Uh, where are you studying now? Am I right? So some uh, relatives that sometimes uh, you, you, you encounter and then uh, because you only see them not so often. And these are the questions I, I, I used to, no, I say I'm still asking my, <laughs> my uh, younger relatives. But once in a while, I try to remember, okay, this person works where? Huh? This person, uh, what's his name? And then try to engage some meaningful conversations. And it's also challenging to speak immediately after Chinese New Year. Over the Chinese New Year period, I've also been thinking about what to share. And last night in my mother-in-law's house, I was, my computer was with me. In, in between steamboats, I, I tried to <laughs> refresh my, my sermon. <laughs> now we are into Jonah chapter 2. Um, Jonah is a very interesting book. If you, uh, let me just share. <clears throat> Someone said this. George Williams said, but this book is unique. Why? Because it's more concerned about the prophet himself than his prophecy. In fact, his prophecy is very short. Repent, okay? Or you will perish. That was his prophecy. And the condition of his soul and God's loving discipline of him instruct and humble the reader. So it's more about that prophet. But it's not just about that prophet. Behind that prophet, it is a God who cares. A God who cares. So today we're going to come to talk, learn more about this God who cares in a time of crying before the Lord. So today's prayer will be a lot of time. Uh, today's uh, sermon, uh, I will end with extended time for us to pray, to call upon God, because that's a challenge of chapter 2. It's what it's all about. Let me just give you a review. For those of you who missed uh, last week uh, or are not familiar, give you a review about uh, Jonah. In Jonah chapter 1, <clears throat> God called Jonah to, to preach the word of God to the Ninevites. Okay? The Ninevites are the enemy of Israel. They are very cruel. And Jonah refused to go. Jonah was protesting. He said, God, why? Why save these people? They deserve to die. So he was rebelling against God's word. And then, instead of going to the east, going to the east to preach the gospel, he went to the west. Okay? And then God caused a, a storm to, to take place in the, in the particular boat. And then uh, they found out that he was the one that caused the storm, the guilty. It was, it was a lot cast on Jonah and then Jonah was thrown overboard and then the, calm, the, uh, the storm subsided. So he was running from God, chapter 1. Okay, very easy to remember. Three, four P's and four W's. Chapter 2. Inside the, the belly of the fish, Jonah was praying. And then it was in the big fish uh, for the sake of acronym, acronym, it's nice if you call it a whale, okay? W. And then, and that's what today we're going to talk about. He's running back to God. And then chapter 3, finally he repented. And then he went preaching to the people of Nineveh. And the people of Nineveh repented. They weep before the Lord. But Jonah was not happy. Chapter 4, he began pouting. He said, God, why you save them? I knew that you're going to save them. Why you save them? And then God used a worm and a small tree to teach him a lesson. I will not review much. Come next week. You'll know more about chapter 4. And that's where it's all about. It's running for God. For God. Today, I'm going to just concentrate on chapter 2, where he was praying and in the, in the belly of the fish. 
Jonah is a very interesting character. Some people say that Jonah did not exist. But in fact, the book of Jonah, I mentioned he was son of Amittai. His father was Amittai. And then you look, you look to the scripture in 2 Kings. Amittai exists during the time of the 8th century, King Jeroboam II. So he was a historical figure. At the same time, his name means uh, a dove. A dove is supposed to be peaceful and gentle. But this was an angry dove because he wanted to call upon judgment upon the people, of uh, the, the, the enemy of the Israel. <clears throat> and Jonah was also called the sign, a sign of the Messiah of the Lord Jesus Christ. People confronted the Lord Jesus Christ when he came. He said, prove to me that you are the Messiah. He said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, three nights, well, so the Son of Man will be buried for three days, three nights, and he arose again from the dead. Jesus Christ said, this is a sign. It's a miraculous sign because how can a person survive in the belly of the fish for three days, three nights? It was a miraculous event. But it was a miraculous sign about God's graciousness and powerful interventions. So we come now to Jonah chapter 2. So I'd like us to turn to your Bible. Okay, to Jonah chapter 2. It's in the Old Testament, among the prophets somewhere. Okay, in the middle among the prophets. Just in case you cannot find, you can look up. It's in the PowerPoint. Okay. Okay, let me read to you, Jonah chapter 2. Before that, there was a context, chapter 1, verse 17. A fish prepared by the Lord swallowed Jonah and kept him a captive for three days, three nights. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. From the inside the fish, so inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the deep of the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing water threatens me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweeds were wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain I sank down. The earth beneath bar me for forever. You, O Lord, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. My prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to the worthless idol turned away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish. It vomited Jonah unto dry land. If you look at this particular chapter, it is actually a psalms of praise. It started with thanksgiving and then a contrite heart, then a desire to dedicate himself. And Jonah is sort of like also a foreshadowing of the Israel's repentance. When the nation of Israel acknowledged that Jesus Christ is the Savior, just like Jonah, they will be restored to the place of blessing unto him. But if you look at this particular chapter, this particular psalm, we can learn several things. Several things about when we are in need, when we call to God, how would God respond? 
So the main point of this chapter is that God answers His children's cries of distress. When you are in the distress, when you cry out to Him, God will answer. And from the inside, God called out, His answer to us is, in spite of our guilt. First thing we can learn is that God answers the cry in spite of our guilt. Verse 2, In my distress, I called to God, He answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Even though when we are guilty, for this, for this case, Jonah was guilty. He was running away from God, but he called up to God. And this God here, Lord, if you see, is a capital letter. It is, means covenantal God, Jehovah. God, Jehovah. He was on the way, not to Nineveh, to preach the gospel, but he was on the way, running away from God, and he was thrown overboard. He was running from God. He was guilty. But yet, in his guilt, he called out to God, God still answer him. And that's a very interesting thing because that's our God. It's not just in Jonah. If you look at the Bible throughout, there are various characters in the Bible. When they are guilty, they run away from God, they call out to God, God always extends the mercy even though it was a terrible, terrible sinner. Let me refer to you in Psalms 107 about similar kind of truth. Some set in darkness and in gloom, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they have rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Just like Jonah, these people did purposely disobey God. And guess what? Their hearts were bowed down with hard labor. They fell down and none to help. And then they cry to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and gloom, broke their bonds asunder. Let them thank the Lord for their steadfast love, for His wonderful works to the sons of men. And today, if you recognize that there's sins in your life, there's disobedience or certain things in your life you knew that you're not supposed to do, but you are doing it, let this be an encouragement today to call back to the Lord in repentance. And guess what? God will answer you. No one is too guilty for Him. So that's the first lesson. God will answer his distress despite of our guilt. The second thing that we can learn from this passage, God still answers in spite of his discipline. Verse 3, You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the sea. The currents swirl about me, your waves and the breakers swept about me. If you look at chapter 1, who was the one that threw Jonah into the sea? Who? The sailors. They were drawing lots. Who caused this storm? And the lots fell onto Jonah. It was the sailors who threw Jonah. But here, Jonah recognized it was not the people, but the person behind, that is the, that is the Lord. He said, God, you are the one who hurled me into the deep sea. He recognized that God was going to discipline him. This was the result of that. And because God loves us, He's, he wants us to turn the right way, but we go the wrong way, He wants to discipline us, just like my son. Okay? Sometimes I discipline him with pain. Okay? I don't take delight in that pain. Okay? But I want to help him with pain, with withdrawal of privileges, with scolding. These are various disciplines in order to move him back 
so that he knew the right way. And that's how God treats us in Hebrew chapter 12. Let me read to you. God disciplines the children who loves. They refer to the earthly father, discipline us for a little while, as he thought best. But God disciplines us for our good. Why? In order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the moment, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are trained by it. And sometimes, including my own life, you knew that God wanted us to go a certain direction, but you choose to go a different direction. And God may gently remind you, if the gentle reminder does not work, He might cause some pain, inflict some distress in your life, to divert you back again, just like though Jonah. But I don't think God nowadays do such a drastic move like Jonah with a whale or with a big fish to swallow us, to, to teach us a lesson. Uh, he might in his own way, but Jonah was a very dramatic one. And then guess what? In the midst of the discipline, Jonah didn't continue to sin. He turned back to God. He said, I have banished from your sight, yet I will again look to your holy temple. Why is this holy temple? Remember when we study about uh, the character Solomon. Solomon built the temple of God. He dedicated the temple. In the dedication, he said what? God, when we sin against you, when we turn to your temple, when we pray to you, please listen. And that's what he ventured to pray for deliverance because he knew that God is faithful, God is merciful. He knew God is the one that inflict the pain and God is the one who's going to redeem. God's discipline, the purpose is always for redemptions, not to inflict pain. I don't punish my son just to see him suffer and I feel good about the pain. No, I don't do that. <laughs> that is the saddest. But sometimes we may think that about God. God wants to inflict pain on us so that make him shock. No, the pain is always for redemption. It's not for punitive. The very hand that caused pain is the hand that reaches back us to win us back to Him. I remember um, three years ago, uh, Dr. Benny Tan, uh, was, he, he came to me. He said, you must listen to this. He showed me an audio recording. It's a recording about a testimony of a doctor. Some of you have heard this testimony because it was uh, spread around the, the internet. Some of you may not. I want to share with you Highlights of his testimony about this particular doctor. His name is Dr. Richard Teo. He was a 40-year-old doctor who has become a millionaire, very rich. He was a cosmetic surgeon. But he was diagnosed with a cancer and he shared his testimony at a dental uh, Christian fellowship in November 2011. He shared that when he was young, he had always under the influence and impressions that to be happy, he had to be successful. And to be successful, you must be wealthy. Coming from a poor average uh, family, in those days he was highly competitive in his sports, in his studies, in his leadership. He wanted it all. He said, I want everything. In the end of the day, it's all about money. Then he looked around as he was able to, to be a practicing doctor. He noticed that no one makes the heroes out of the average uh, general practitioner, the doctor's the GP doctors uh, at the neighborhood. No. He said, if I want to be a hero, I need to be rich and famous. So, he went into aesthetic medicines. Simple surgery, 
10,000, 20,000. And in fact, he became very famous. He took pictures with the co-founder of uh, Facebook. What's his name? Uh? The co-founder of Facebook with all the Miss Universe. And, and he showed pictures about how he was famous. And then he bought his first Ferrari during Chinese New Year period time. He was vroom, vroom, vroom to show off to his relatives, to people that I have arrived. And he began to look around to buy land, to buy houses. But at a very young age, uh, when doing a uh, secondary school, he went to church. In fact, he went there and he thought it was an in thing to become a Christian. So he became a Christian. But then he, he was not very regular. In fact, he departed from the Lord for a long while. He was not serious. But at his prime, prime his friend, who is also a fellow doctor, invited him to go to church. He said, Richard, come. Join us in church. Come back to church. He said, no, 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 no. Your church timing oh, does not suit my timing. Unless your church pastors change the timing, suits my timing, then I'll come to church. He was so proud. He said, if God really wants me to come back to church, He will give me a sign. Then I'll come back to church. And guess what? God gave him a sign. Three weeks later, he was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer, stage 4B. Before that, he showed pictures of his buffy body. Uh, yes, so much buffier than mine. And he, was, uh, uh, he went to gym. He said, this is impossible. How can I get? I'm so healthy. How can I get stage 4 cancer? He was in denial. And then as he was lying down in the operating theatre, waiting for a biopsy, he heard an inner voice. A small inner voice that he said, I've never heard before. And the inner voice said this, this has happened to you at your prime only because it is the only way that you can understand. He said, wow, where did that come from? I've never heard this before. And how can, how can this be? How can there a voice inside me? But then the emotions began to overflow. He broke down, he cried. Then he understood, truly, that was the only way. If it's just any kind of cancer, stage one, stage two, he can easily find a way, his own way, to solve the problem. But it was a lung cancer, the highest rate of mortality. And it was stage 4B. There's no way out. He recognized that this was the only way that he could turn to no one except to God. And then he went for radiotherapy. Uh, Suffering from the side effect, he asked his friend again, his doctor friend who is a Christian, he said, bro, is there any other way? Can I not go through this? His friend said, yes, can. You can pray. But he was not convinced that prayer will work. And he went for chemotherapy. The doctor said he left three to four months. He went into de depressions. And in one of those dark days, he was on his bed struggling. He asked God, God, why? Why do I have to go through this suffering? Why do I have to endure this hardship, this struggle? Why me? As he fell asleep in his dreamy state, this is what he said. A vision came. And the vision says, Hebrew chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. He have not read the Bible. He don't even know the book of Hebrew exists. He don't even know whether it's a New Testament or Old Testament. Neither does he know how many chapters, how many verses. But this particular uh, uh, reference of the Bible, Hebrew chapter 12, verse 7 and 8, just came to him very specifically. When he woke up, he asked his friend, can you lend me your Bible? So he began to turn to the Bible. He's not sure where, which part of it. He turned to the table of content. He found Hebrew. And then it read, Hebrew chapter 12, verse 7 and 8, Endure 
hardship, as discipline, as God is treating you as His children. Very specific verse that God is disciplining him. But as his child, find, and goose pimple, he felt goose pimple everywhere. And finally he said, God, you win, you win, you win. He started to believe in God, started to pray. And then later on, another voice came to him. The voice said, help others in hardship. And over the next few months, he helped others. He shared he helped fellow uh, cancer patients. He began to do a lot of things. He get back right with God. And he blessed other people. And this is what he said at the end of his testimony. You can go to YouTube and you can search for his testimony. Dr. Richard Teo. He said this, Over the last few months, I began to understand what true joy is all about. In the past, I substituted true joy with pursuing wealth. But it brought me zero comfort, zero joy. Nothing at all. True joys come from interactions with people. Two things that I've learned that are very important during this period. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart. This is so important. And secondly, it is to love and serve others and not just yourself. But it takes a big shock to turn his life around. Unfortunately, a few months later, he passed away. I'm sharing this to share that sometimes God can use pain. And this is a very drastic event, a cancer to discipline him. I'm not saying that cancer, all cancer comes from God as a discipline to your life. This is not what I'm saying. But for Richard, he recognized that this was a discipline because God revealed it to him. That's why he shared it. And God turned his life around. And I hope that if you are going in the wrong directions, if today you're sitting here, you're going in the wrong direction. Some of the things in your life, you do it and you knew that you are not following what God wants you to do. My encouragement is to turn back. Turn back. Don't wait until God inflicts some pain for you to come back to Him. And God is always there to receive you because He loves you. And thirdly, He don't just listen to us in the midst of our guilt, in spite of our discipline, also in impossible circumstances. In verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweeds were wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, O Lord, brought, me, brought my life out from the pit. There was no immediate relief. The moment he fell in, off the ship into the water, he continued drowning in this it is one thing to fall into a calm water. It's another thing to come into a raging sea. Okay? This was a raging sea. He did not come down straight away. He, he, he described here the engulfing water. And then he was sinking, sinking, sinking. And just when he was looking towards, hoping to get some air, he got entangled with seaweeds, entangled him. And then he went down, down, and down, and down. It seems like impossible to save him. Just at the nick of the... And impossible. But God still come to him. I'm not sure why it is, but in a Christian life, sometimes things happen, bad things happen. And it don't just come one, but it comes in big badges. And it seems like impossible out of the situations. If you are in the situation, take courage. Nothing is impossible from God. God can still deliver. So in spite of our guilt, He listens. In spite of our discipline, He listens. 
in impossible circumstances he listened. And then also at the nick of time, at the nick of time, verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remember you, Lord. My prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. It's like, if we were to, uh, if we were to um, paraphrase this particular verse, it sounds like I was losing consciousness about to die. I remember God, I prayed, and He scooped me up. He scooped me up. Just before He blacked out at the 11th hour, God scooped him up. I hope that this prayer of Jonah here gives us courage to be unrelenting in our prayer. Continue to pray. Continue to cry out to God even when we're about to go to unconsciousness. To believe that God can still deliver at the nick of time. Fifthly, God answers the children's cry of distress in stages. Verse 8, those who cling on to the worthless idol turn from God's love to them, and I, with shouts of praise, will sacrifice to you. I vow, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from God. He says salvation comes from God. We must get out of the mind that the all or nothing notions of answer prayer, God must answer me the way I think He should answer, and everything, then it's considered answer prayer. No. Jonah, when he was drowning, did he say that God Save me by putting me into the belly of a fish. No. He just prayed, God help me. And God helped him by stages. If you look carefully, the belly of the fish doesn't seem like a good salvation at all. Why? Because the belly of a fish filled with what? Gastric juice. Acidic gastric juice. Okay, put your hand into the acid. I'm not talking about orange juice. I'm talking about real acid sulfuric acid, and then you tell me what happened. Okay? It is not just acidic, not just uh, uh, caustic, and also it is very humid in this. And you're not sure any moment you'll be digested. But Jonah was praying in the belly of the fish. What did he pray? What did he say? Salvation comes from the Lord. He recognized that in the fish, it's better than in the sea. But he's he recognized that the fish will ultimately lead to the dry land. And God saved him in stages. So don't disregard God's partial work in our lives. If he chooses to save, if he chooses to heal in stages, he has his good purposes. We ought to be grateful for whatever improvement, small or big, in our conditions. Yes, a fish belly is better than the bottom of the sea even though it was not Palestine or dry land yet. Six, he answers in stages. Oh, sorry, stages. He answers in order to lead us to loyalty and thanksgiving. Lead us into loyalty and thanks. God wants us to be loyal to Him. He saved us. He died for us. And most important, He is our God. He wants us to worship Him. Undivided loyalty. He wants us also to be grateful to Him. Let me read to you verse 8 and 9. Those who cling on to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. 
the answer to Jonah's prayer has produced its proper effective. It filled Jonah with wonder. Why would people want to go for idols? What can idols do? Idols have no feelings, no actions, no grace, no love, no interventions. But my God, He has interventions. He has grace, He has love, He has mercy. So make him realize that why should I, why would people want to turn to idol? Why not turn to God? It make him loyal to God. At the same time, he said that God, now I vow to do good. What is the vowing to do good? He said, means that he's going back to Nineveh to preach the gospel to them, to preach the, the word of God to them. Even though at that point of time, he still disagreed with God's action. But he said, God, I will make good. I'm going to do it. And then he said, I will shout with shout of praise. It's filled with thanksgiving. And you know what? If you look at the Bible, people with a spirit of thanksgiving are the best candidates for answered prayer. Philippians 4.6 Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul said this about the people of God who prayed for him. As you help us by your prayer, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted to us in prayers to, in answer to many prayers. God answers our distress so that we will become loyal to Him. We recognize that He is God. And also, we fill us with thanksgiving for His mercy and interventions. So today, in whatever situations you are in, or whatever distress, some of this distress could be caused by your sin, could be caused by your disobedience, could be caused by your choices. Some of the distress in your life could be caused by nothing of your cause at all. It could be anything. I don't know why some of this distress, either yourself or your family or people, it just come. But it come, it seems like impossible. God can. He can intervene in the nick of time. He can intervene in stages. And He wants to intervene so that we can loyal to Him, so that we be grateful to Him. And finally, God wants to intervene so that He will make us merciful like Him. Merciful like Him. Verse 10, it says, God commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah into dry land. God's mercy, not just in the belly of the fish, but into the particular dry land. Our God is always there, ready to rescue us, ready to help us. If you look at the first two chapters, you notice there are seven miracles. God made seven miracles. Let me share with you these seven miracles. First of all, God caused a violent storm to stop Jonah. Secondly, when the sailors were drawing lots, who is the one that caused this storm? The lots fell to Jonah. Second miracle. Third miracle, when Jonah was thrown overboard, it calmed the sea. Third miracle. Fourth miracle, God commanded the fish to swallow up Jonah. The fish chose of all the various kind of food, Jonah, you are the one. And then fifth miracle, Jonah survived inside the fish. He survived. He was not digested into... Okay, don't want to say. <laughs> that was a great miracle. And the sixth miracle, the fish actually went near the dry land. It's not easy for a big fish to go dry land. 
if you have read news about uh, whales being beached, you go to dry land, you go in, cannot come out. You, you will die of suffocation or, or without oxygen. And it's a miracle the, 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 the big fish went to dry land and then speed up, pui, and then Jonah landed on the land. Sixth miracle, but the greatest miracle is the seventh one. God melted the heart of the disobedient prophet Jonah so that he come back to God again. That's also itself, it's a miracle. God changed his heart. Why? Why did God do all these things? God could have chosen any other prophet who is willing. But yet God purposely chose Jonah. He took the trouble to guide him, to send the fish, to change him, to guide him. Why? Because he's interested in the molding of each and every of his children. He's interested in your life. He's interested in my life. He wants us to understand his father heart, a father merciful heart. He wants to reach out to you to help you to understand his heart, that he have mercy. That's why he went through all the trouble to change Jonah. In the same way, God is also go through all the trouble to change you and I, to change you and I, to bring us back to you. That's how much is God's love is all about. And guess what? Jonah changed. Jonah went, chapter 3, chapter 4, he preached to the people of Nineveh and they repented. And they repented. And then God taught Jonah about God's His mercy later on through a worm and through a tree. I will not expand on that. I'll leave it to couple to expand next week about the worm and the plant, how God changed him. But there was another prophet in the New Testament who is totally different from Jonah, who went all the way to preach even though we are his enemy. And he didn't just preach, he died for us. That is our Lord Jesus Christ. God commanded him to come down to earth. We were his enemy. We deserved the punishment. Besides just preaching to us the good news, he went to the cross. He died for you. He died for me. That was his mercy. And he wants us today, as you have received his mercy, to extend the same mercy to the people around us. You see, God's salvation is not restricted to nationality just like Israel. God wanted to extend it to the Ninevites, the non-Israelites. And they responded. And this gospel is for the whole world. The main point of John, the book of Jonah is not just God is merciful, but the main point is also God wants us to be merciful, just as He, the Heavenly Father, is merciful. If you look at this uh, answer of God to these children cry of distress, I'd like to end this would be something that God perhaps will be saying to Jonah at the end. Say, Jonah, don't you see what I'm trying to teach you when I answer your cry of distress and send the fish to save you? I'm mercy on you in spite of your guilt. I'm mercy on you in spite of your sentence, of my own sentence of discipline. I save you from the impossible circumstances. I delivered you in the nick of time. I commanded the fish to save your life. You were filled with a song of thanksgiving for my mercy and vow your loyalty to me. Jonah, Jonah, be merciful. Even I have been merciful to you. That's the message God has for us. I'd like to invite the musicians. As the musicians come forward, I'd like us to take some time. If you are under distress today, 
or things in your life. I'm going to give you some time later on as you sing the song, in the midst of the song, a time for you to pray. And if you know of people, your relatives, your loved ones, or church mates who may have run away from God, or maybe in time of distress, take this time to pray for them, shall we? Take this time to, I'm going to give us some time for prayer. So let us just bow. Just be quiet before the Lord first. I will later on in the midst of the song, now give us time to pray, whether as individually or in groups of two or three. Take this time to be quiet and say, God, what are you speaking to me? God is speaking to us. Open your hearts, open your ears to listen to Him. rise as we sing this song later on we can spend some moment of prayer
stood before creation. just for a time of prayer where you are, if you know of people or yourself in distress, just call upon the Lord and if you want to pray in pairs I encourage us to just pray in pairs with people beside you if you know of yourself or people in need a church mate, a relatives, a friend who are far away from God who are in sickness who are in difficult situations we need deliverance. Take this time just to pray to see God will be there. God listens. Yes, take this time just to pray. that God will make you merciful 
gracious. Just as He is merciful and gracious to us.
Lord, you are such a merciful God. Lord, we thank you. You are not like Jonah. You didn't run the opposite directions. You didn't treat us as your enemy, though we deserve it. But you came, you brought the gospel, you gave up your life, you died for us in the cross. And today, Father, you invite us to back to you. And you want us, Father, to surrender to you. You want us to be merciful. And Father, we thank you. Thank you that, Lord, today as we cry to you in distress, we know that, God, you will deliver. You will answer us in your own timing, in your own way, in your stages, but you will answer. And help us, Lord, today to learn from your example. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And now, May our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us and by His grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.